Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. The world needs to hear your message and your story, so don't deny the world of that gift within you that the universe has given you. Someone out there needs to hear your story because it will support them in feeling hope, inspired, and even transformed. Do you want to discover how I help get my clients out of their own way, show up, and confidently share their message? I would love to extend an invitation to you to join me in my free masterclass, Start Your Own Podcast from Idea to Implementation, on Wednesday, April 5th at 1 p.m. Eastern. You can find the registry link in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Karen Weaver. She is a multi-award winning entrepreneur and author, the founder of Serenity Press, MMH Press, KMD Books, and Duchess Serenity Press, a Forbes influencer, a three-time TEDx speaker, and an advanced law of attraction practitioner. Last but certainly not least, a mom of six. Welcome, Karen. I am so happy to have you here and so excited to dive in and share all about the beautiful things you're doing, the beautiful light you put out into the world through all the work you do. How are you today? I'm really good. It's been such a good day. I'm on the buzz, even though it's the end of the day here in Australia. I've had such an epic day. But thank you so much for having me on the show, Brad. I really appreciate it. I hope that your listeners get something out of our conversation today. Oh, I have no doubt they will. How could they not? You're an incredible human being with lots of beautiful light to share. So with that being said, let's jump right in. Wow. Is there anything that you can't or don't do, Karen? I mean, I'm exhausted just reading your resume and thinking about all of the titles and the hats you wear. How do you find the time for all of this and how do you prioritize and how important is prioritization and organization for you? Oh, God. I absolutely... I'm so not organized, but I am organized at the same time, as in I have, I know what to prioritize, what needs my focus and energy, and it gets it all. And I do everything with loving intention. So that's a super fuel for anything. It happens at the best possible results you get out of it. And no matter whether you're engaging with your children, whether you're publishing a book, whether you're writing a book, if you do it with, <laughs> with loving, focused intention, it gets done the fastest way possible and in the best way possible. So I've been doing this for many years now and it works for me. So if it works, I ain't going to change it. <laughs> That's right. Why fix it if it ain't broken, right? Yeah, absolutely. I've just recently got turned on to time blocking. I've had a few friends tell me, you need to start time blocking. You need to start time blocking. So I've just started that literally this week and learning to, it's a tough one. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to take some getting used to for sure. I've been introduced to being mindful of the time that I'm wasting now. And when I'm talking about that, just having time chilling out on the beach or just yeah. meditating, that's not wasted time. That's productive because that's recharging you. But just yeah. being mindful. And I'm pretty impressed with how productive my time is. You know, if it's kid time, it's kid time. If it's yeah. recharge me time. But if it's work time, it's work time as well. So it's prioritizing. Yeah, for sure. I'm very curious, with you wearing so many hats, what does your morning routine look like, Karen? 
I'm a 5 a.m. riser. I love to get okay. up. Um, and I was just saying to you before we come on the show, whenever I'm writing my books, because I'm an author of over 40 books of my own. And so if I'm writing, I get up and I write first thing in the morning. And the reason being is because that's when you're closest to a dreamlike state. You don't right. overthink and overanalyze. It just comes through me onto the page. And I do it so, I've been doing it for so long now, 12, 13 years. Not every day, but when I'm writing, yeah. I just tap into that. That and it's just magic. When I start the day that way, my day is just magic. I'll have to try that, actually. I wrote yesterday for Hear Us Roar, but I did it. I actually sat down. I said, okay, I time blocked it in my calendar. I gave myself, I think it was an hour. And... I sat down, I started writing, and honestly, it just started pouring out of me. And I pushed everything else that was scheduled behind, pushed it ahead to the next day because I was in such a flow. I thought, no, if I stop, forget it. I can't. I have to keep rolling with it. So, And that was later in the afternoon. So I'll have to try that writing first thing in the morning then and see how that feels and see how that flows. See well, maybe flows that's your time. You know, yeah. you never know when your time is. And it is like what you just described there. That's the magic of just allowing it to come through you so it comes through your head and out through your heart and onto the page like you're opening up and sharing with readers and um, what yeah. comes through for you and honoring it and not blocking it not over analyzing it well i have to tell you because when we talked about when you asked me to be part of the book that you said exactly that just don't overthink it just let it flow your voice in my head while I was writing it's like Karen said I could hear you saying just let it flow just let it come out don't overthink it so thank you for that pointer and th that assistance and that help because that's exactly what happened that's exactly how it flowed how it happened it just kind of just came out of me so it was great so thank you for beautiful. that it's a beautiful <laughs> process isn't it and it's just yes. gold when you allow it to be yeah Editing can happen later, but yeah. you can't get that golden flow happening yeah. earlier. It needs to happen at the beginning. I love it. <laughs> what drives, motivates, and inspires you to keep going and excelling at all that you do, Karen? The power of story and what it does for people. Stories heal, they connect, they ignite, and they just they have the power to change the world. Like people say money makes the world go around. I say stories make the world go around. <laughs> because I'm Irish. We grew up on stories. We're storytellers. And I always remember we lived in a park whenever we were younger, me and Emma. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We lived up, up on Hill Park. And if somebody was ill or somebody was even graduating or going to college, somebody would come around from the park and tell their story. And that would just heal something or empower somebody or inspire them or whatever it is. You know, the stories are so powerful. And then when I went through my own adversity and had an epiphany to write my first novel, the call was so loud I couldn't ignore it. And I know everybody gets a call at some point in their life. And if you've been through adversity, the call happens when you're ready to heal. So it's mm -hmm. part of the healing process is the call to write your story, whether you write it and nobody reads it. But if you write it and you publish it, it has the power to really connect and help someone on their journey. For sure. Storytelling is so powerful. And I'm sure you hear this all the time. I don't have a story or who's going to want to listen to me and all of these things. But I wholeheartedly believe that every single person on this planet has a story to share. And it will undoubtedly connect with and resonate with at least one person out there, at least. And it'll change their life, Brad. Yes. That's it. Even if your story changes one life, somebody reads your story at the time in their life when they need to hear it, 
it changes their life. It changes the trajectory of their life. And I know it because I've watched it in motion. And when you have the courage to get up, to go and share your story, it ne- it's never lost, never wasted. Remember, it's a legacy as well. The stories yeah. that are written now are going to be researched in 100 years' time. We've just been through a pandemic. People are going to want to yeah. know what's been going on. And so there's a lot of women showing up and sharing stories, whereas it used to be predominantly men who wrote books, whereas now there's women ha- having stories and sharing them. And mums have stories. I'm a mum of six. We all have stories to share. And usually we come together in groups and things like that. But now that we ha- are able to be more global and reach each other, it's not just your own community. You can reach a global community with it. Are you noticing a very big spike or increase in women stepping up to share their stories as oh, opposed absolutely. to previous through the course of your career as a publisher? Absolutely. Yes. And it does yeah. take that a little bit more courage because usually women step up with a mission, something that's happened to them that's ignited a mission within them and then they share. Because whenever you, you are in business or if you've got a charity or whatever, whenever you share your story, it's brand elevating. So yeah, it helps with visibility, but it takes courage. And I always liken it to whenever you share your story, it's like you feel like you're running around the streets naked. It's that exposing. <laughs> so people always go through inhibitions. There's a process. We always have inhibitions at the beginning. And if you deal with the inhibitions at the beginning, then you can get on with writing the story. So honor it, feel the fear and just go, you know what, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. And this is one thing I want to do in my life. I love it. Thank you for that, Karen. I would love to know what you were doing for a living before making the leap into the entrepreneurial world and publishing and all of the things. I call myself an accidental publisher and I was an author (laughs) author before I was a publisher. My studies are in humanities. So I have a diploma in humanities with the University of Ulster and I also study community drama with the University of Dublin. And so I was always a jack of all trades. I love new experiences Mm. and I love connecting with people. So I have had all different jobs and it serves me really well when I'm writing fiction. (laughs) But yeah, before we we had migrated to Australia in 2008. So I was 35 weeks pregnant when that happened. So we migrated here and I was an at-home mum. And had I not been an at-home mum, I wouldn't have had the room to find my passion, which was story, because I never had the belief in myself that I could write because English wasn't a good experience for me at school but when I found that you can tell stories and editors edit them (laughs) I was like well I can tell stories and thank god for editors they can tell the stories they can make them legible so that was really a turning point for me I love it Let's dive a little more into your journey into the world of writing and becoming an author. Now, when you told me this, I just about fell off my chair. And the author, as you said off the top, the author of over 40 books, that is incredible because I think about all the people out there who say they want to write a book and it just, it becomes a dream that they never bother following through on or doing when it comes to accomplishing it. And then there's you who has written and participated in over 40 books. First of all, kudos to you because that is an absolutely incredible achievement. Was writing something that was always part of your life or is this a fairly new path for you? I was 31 when I started writing. Oh, wow. 
There you go. And then I caught the bug. <laughs> uh, apparently writing 40 books. That's insane. Yeah. So I have my first three books were fictional novels. They're actually yeah. being picked up and made into movies right now. So it had a, what? what all year. three of them? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, the first one is <laughs> it, it's a series. So they're all okay. together. So they come as a, as a, as a pack. So the first one was The Visitor. And it's yeah. a very significant book because it was a catalyst into publishing for me. But that book is obviously fictional. Fiction and the next two were fiction. And then I started writing some non-fiction because people were like, Karen, how the hell do you do life? You know, <laughs> you're always so happy. You've got six kids. You've always got kids crawling all over you. You're building a publishing empire. How the hell do you make this happen? Yeah. Like, do you know what? I, I identified I had seven master gifts that I called them. Some people call them life principles, whatever. And I lived through them all the time. And so I started to write on those. And so I wrote seven books on those. The, the seventh has been published shortly. And then I, I done a lot of children's books. I'm a mama, so I done yeah. books for my kids and stuff. So I have a big catalogue. I'm also in, and this will blow your socks off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also in over 30 anthologies, and that's not it. So, so. That's not part of the 40? Oh, God, no. No, because I'm publishing so many anthologies, I always write a story for who they always invite me to write a yeah. story. Every single anthology has a different story in it. Wow. That is incredible. Can you share what those seven principles are, if you don't mind, real quick? Yeah, absolutely. So they are mindfulness, knowing, mm -hmm. intention, love, gratitude, forgiveness, and belief. And love's right in the center there. The forgiveness book nearly killed me. Yeah, <laughs> I thought I was a forgiving person, but I went on a journey in that book. And they, these books are, they're about 30,000 words each, so they're easy to digest. It's just me having a conversation. Think Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. It's me right. having a conversation with you, sharing my experiences, my thoughts. And then I invite five guests into the book. So in The Power of Knowing, I have Elizabeth Gilbert in the book. She's Wow. Shared, yeah, she's shared a piece of it. <sighs> And Peace Mitchell's in the book, Emma's in the book. I have Cleona O'Hara's in the book, in The Law of Love. So they're all called these things, yeah. I Incredible. They're my legacy books. They're my gift yeah. to the world. And this all ties into your Law of Attraction practitioner work, I would imagine. These seven principles, right? Yeah. I watched The Secret and also Louise Hayes' You Can Heal Your Life and read yeah. the book and watched the, the DVD that went along with it. And then I was introduced to Joe Vitale through the, the Secret and he done a Law of Attraction course and I loved it. And you had to do a test and everything. It was yeah. It was years and years ago. <laughs> and then he'd done an advanced law of attraction practitioner course, which was more intensive. And I did that. But I never told anybody. I never told really? anybody I'd done the course. And I just started publishing at that time. And I'm like, I am going to have fun with this. And I'm going to see what I can make happen. And I ain't telling anybody that I've done a law of attraction course. And I did. And I just went on the journey and... I set an intention, this is going to blow your mind, I set the intention to build a million dollar publishing company. Okay? Yeah. And all because I think I had four children at the time. I was yeah. an at-home mom and I had 50 Australian dollars a week that I could invest in this big idea. I'm very values aligned. If something doesn't right. align with my values, I'm not doing it. So that's the intention I set up with. Remember I wrote the book, The Miracle of Intent. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I set that intention of a million dollar press. I thought it was going to take me 25 years to do it. And then we hit our first million dollar year in year seven. So oh was, my gosh. Yeah. 
Yeah. It blew my mind. But I was like, this is so much fun. Now, don't get me wrong. There's huge amount of challenges. But my of perspective course. on challenges is, Brad, when I'm meeting challenges, I'm growing. I'm evolving into the person I need to be that my dreams are the very next step. So that's why mind-blowing things happen all the time for me <laughs> because I've worked so hard, evolved so much that these cool things happen as the very next step. That is incredible. And I think we need to share here that, you know, with the law of attraction and manifestation and all of these things, it's not like you can just sit there and say, okay, I'm going to manifest this and not do any work. You have to put in the work as well, which I think is very important to mention. And it's not easy. It takes a lot of work. But yeah. if you're willing to do it, you can make it happen. Absolutely. Obviously, yeah. you are living proof. I just have so much fun with it. And the power of knowing is a really good one for if you find it tough to grasp the concept. Um, mindfulness is the magic of mindfulness is the first book. But the power yeah. of knowing shares that there's a three step. I've always known how to know because I've always yeah. been connected to my internal navigation system. I'm very lucky, but a lot of people have it when they're born. But they grow out of it because it's not nurtured. My curiosity was nurtured when I was younger. So I always had my internal knowing. So I always knew what was a hell yes and what was a hell no. (laughs) But I always had the courage to action a hell yes straight away because the universe likes speed. And sometimes it involves money. But if it's a hell yes, it'll come. You just need to say yes and then that'll come. You have to trust and have faith in that process. And I remember somebody saying to me, Karen, you are fearless. (laughs) And I'm like, there's no fear in knowing because when you know with all of your heart that is you because if it's a hell yes it's yes that's aligned with where i'm going and if it's a i don't know or a no it's a distraction it'll deviate you off your path so stay on your path and anything that complements that just run with it go for it just Mm -hmm. jump in and take it grab it by the horns and just do it i love that absolutely (laughs) when you're writing karen where do you pull your inspiration from Oh, um, inspired thoughts will come to me. I'm always open to inspired thoughts. And the thing I love about writing process is, for example, I'm going to share a quick example. When I wrote my first novel, I wrote it in 30 days during the challenge that's called NaNoWriMo. NaNoWriMo is a global thing that's located in the US. It's every November, which is National Novel Writing Month. You can sign up for it. And every day you track how many words you write. So every day I needed to write 1,667 words a day. And so I did, if you look at my graph, every day I wrote 1,667 words. Now, two days before NaNoWriMo started, I did not know what I was going to write about. All I knew it was going to be called The Visitor because that's what my epiphany was about. I never wrote anything fictional in my life. (laughs) But I knew with all of my heart I had to show up. So I got some characters together, had 20 potential chapters, but I let those characters do what they needed to do in that page. I had a five-star review once and it said, you'll be left with dishes undone and all of the housework waiting because you don't know what's going to happen on the very next page. That's because I didn't know what was going to happen on the next page. (laughs) So it it blew my mind. See, whenever I realized what the end was going to be, the twist at the end. Oh, my God. It was like (laughs) the best happy dance moment ever. It was that aha moment like this. There was probably a big bright light around me or something. Yeah. But just allowing the freedom of that to flow and to write. That's just so important. And so writing the magic of that and how it lit me up and filled me up. I just love it. So I just embrace it. Is there anything you wish you knew when you first started out that you know now as an author? God, no. If you knew it all at the beginning, (laughs) you'd run a mile. (laughs) 
No, you have to journey. Journey. Yeah. Let it just go on the journey. Do not compare yourself to others. Go on your journey. Mm. I never compare myself to others. I love being innovative and I love connecting with people. And if you do that, think for yourself and connect with other people and get inspired by others. But don't copy, just make it your own. We can get yeah. inspired by others, but and that's yeah. fine. But yeah, make it your own. Which authors do you admire? Who are a couple of your favorites? Well, whenever I want to just blur <laughs> and just read something that's light and funny and will make me feel all the feels. I love Marion Keys. So she's an Irish author. She's really funny and I love her. Yeah. And she keeps it real. She's amazing on Twitter or if it's X now, whatever. Um, yeah. She's hilarious on there. And so she always does that. I was introduced to her by my mother because my mother is a prolific reader. I yeah. never be, remember being read to as a child, but I always remember my mother reading and loving reading. And she would escape into these novels and we wouldn't see her <laughs> And she used to get so excited when her red leather Barbara Carton books would come in on the month on her subscription we are back in those yeah. days and so just to see the joy of reading so it was very surreal when I caught her reading one of my books I was like oh yeah she's a very loving critic but she's like yeah oh, I actually enjoyed that <laughs> for you <laughs> what, an, what an incredible feeling though to see your mom reading your books and like that mm. must have been so powerful for you Oh, my goodness. Just to have that. I, I remember having goosebumps because I was actually in Ireland at the time and happened to walk in. I think me and Emma were going out that night or something. And walked yeah. into the There's mum sitting reading one of my novelettes. And I was like, oh. so to see it in motion, it was really and beautiful. I was just so happy. What lights you up or excites you the most about writing? Just how it all comes together. I suppose that there's like this channel that comes through me and it just what ha what happens is just magic and i just love i love the feeling of it and you look back and you go wow how did that come together or you read the book and you say wow did i write that <laughs> because it's just such an amazing process um, and you just again you once you write the book that's the skeleton of your book it, you still have to go back and put the muscle in and, and things like that but whenever you do that and you put in the work and you get the results and when a reader comes back to you and says, wow, your story really impacted me. And just remember when someone's reading your book, you have their full attention. In a world full of distractions, you have their full attention. So it's a great way for someone to get to know you. Although some of my novels, yeah, my Auntie Patty read one and she said, Karen, I never knew. And I said, it wasn't <laughs> me. It was the characters. <laughs> <laughs> it was nothing to do with me. <laughs> I'm just a vehicle. <laughs> I know that a lot of creatives have their own unique process when it comes to sitting down and creating their art, whether that be painting, writing, photography, whatever it is. Do you have a process that you, a particular process that you fall into when you're writing? And if so, can you share that with us? I'm sorry, I don't have a magic process. I'm a mom of six. If I have five minutes to myself, I am going to grab it and jump in. But the thing that really reassures me in my mind is that when, and this is what I, a point I was trying to make earlier, it just came back to me, is that when I am in a writing mode, so if I'm writing a novel or a, a nonfiction book or a children's book, whenever 
I'm doing my day to day, um, I have to bring a notebook and pen with me because at the most okay. inopportune moment, you will have a dose of inspiration. You've got to get it down, even if it's yeah. one word that will reignite it whenever you get back to it. Also, your subconscious mind is always working on that, sub, on, mm-hmm. on the book or on the project when you're doing your day-to-day things. So when you sit down, I just allow myself to breathe, just get into my writing head. I go somewhere else. It's like a meditation for me. And okay. then it just, it's like I open up the vault to that and it just comes pouring out. It's just beautiful. Flows. You gotta, but you need it. to know that you can do that. How do you deal with creative blocks when you get them? What have you found helps the most when those come up for you? Well, a creative, the beloved writer's block that we talk about, yeah, I don't yeah. tend to get writer's block. It's usually that something has to be revealed to me that will strengthen what the next step is. So an example of this is when I wrote book one, The Visitor, I was writing book two, which was The Memory Taker, and it wouldn't come. And I was like, oh, God, that's it. I've lost my motive. There'll be no more writing. So I just left it and distracted myself with other things and then I had an, like a big light bulb moment oh there's a book that needs to come before that and so the wish giver was born and as soon as I realized that that book just flooded out of me straight away so wow. I was like wow and so usually a block isn't a roadblock it's just that you have to relax and allow something to be realized Obviously, you are a go big or go home type of woman, having written 40 books, started, founded four publishing houses. My mind is still blown when I think about that, Karen. (laughs) You are incredibly inspiring. What is it about the world of books and writing and publishing that lights that fire in you and keeps you motivated to continue growing your businesses? Well, whenever I started out in the publishing industry, ebooks were really coming to the, and there's lots of Publisher Weekly was publishing articles saying print books are going to be out and it's not that. There's there's ebook readers, there's print book readers, there's audiobook listeners. There's all it doesn't matter how a story reaches a reader, it still reaches. And so with print books, that's a passion for me, is print books. Right. I love the print books, even though it's a bit more of a process. And the passion of creating printed books, going through the whole process. I think because I went to an all girls grammar school and I didn't embrace English literature and English as I wanted to. And when I discovered books, I fell in love with them. And I just yeah. wanted others to fall in love with books, whether you're escaping into a fantasy land or whether you're learning. Because when someone's in struggle, we all go through struggles in life because before any breakthrough, there's always a struggle. And I always say, when you're in the struggle, that's when you need to feed your mind and feed your soul with inspiring works. So whoever you're drawn to at that time is what you need to read. And that is going to elevate you and tide you through the struggle towards the breakthrough because too many people give up on the struggle and yeah. think it's too hard but if you're distracting yourself and nurturing yourself through books so doing that like we do a lot of those types of books doing that really motivates me an author journey is not just about writing a book handing it to me we edit it and then publish it i see an author transform and with self-development and growth and confidence in that journey. And that needs to be nurtured. And that's why I became a publisher, because I was an author first. I had a negative self-publishing experience. But 
at the beginning of my book, the visitor was the quote, from every negative situation is the potential for a positive outcome. Little did I know that was going to be my journey. <laughs> and when I realized that, I was like, wow, I learned a lot about publishing. So my curiosity was ignited and I was also having inspired thoughts. So I started to do some research, discovered that the print and distribution channel that my publisher had used had opened an office that very month in Melbourne in Australia. And I made a sacred promise to myself that if, and to authors, that if I was accepted as a publisher, I would show up for story and help authors have a positive experience yeah. of authorship. Now, I have journeyed with authors for a short time or a long time. I have a lot of really close friends now and readers, but I just hope that I have been a positive in the process. It really is an incredible process when you're able to get those words out on the page. It is transformational, truly. Your life is changed forever. You become a completely different person when you're able to get that story out and onto paper. And then when you see that story in print on the actual paper and have that tangibly in your hands, have that, it is like nothing else in the world. It's incredible. And it's a hugely healing process. When I wrote my first novel, um, it had um, my own personal experience in it. So I had a double miscarriage. And when I wrote it out, it's as if it left me and yeah. the story was no longer deep down within me. It was out and you, as you said, tangible. So, yeah. you know, one of the most healing things you can ever do is share it, write your story out, yeah. whether someone else reads it or not. But yeah. I always encourage you to share it because get it out, get it out yeah. of here and onto the paper. Yes, yes. Everyone should do it for their mental health. Absolutely. It actually biologically heals that your body because really, yes, there's studies wow. showing that it actually biologically heals your body because you're releasing that from your body. So you heard it here first, people get out there, <laughs> sit down and it. write your story, write your book, whatever it is, get it out of your head and onto paper. Yeah. It will help heal you. Being the owner of four publishing houses, what was the inspiration behind starting your first publishing house and why four different ones? Can mm -hmm. you tell us a little bit about them? Absolutely. So we started first, it was Innerlight Publishing and it was a hybrid publishing. So people would pay, as I said, I invested $50 a week in growing it. My biggest thing, InDesign was a package we needed and InDesign didn't have membership like it does now. You had to actually buy a $3,000 package and they sent you a disc that you put into your <laughs> that's how long it was but anyway so it was one of our biggest investments but the best investment because we had the best in designed software and i learned how to do what i needed to do on it <laughs> right. at the beginning to publish books and design covers and stuff the first one was hybrid so people would pay me to publish their books so obviously right. i was starting out and then we evolved and grew and we started to attract some nice it was more established authors so serenity press was born and it was a traditional publisher so it would offer traditional contracts and it was primarily in the romance division at that time and then we went into the fairy tale division and now we're fairy tales and um, children's books okay? okay so that's serenity press in our traditional model and that's where the duchess is and where D duchess serenity press is but all of my authors who weren't in, in those genres still needed a home so we created mmh press making magic happen press <laughs> and that's where my books are published and okay. i know 
know, it's there. And there's some amazing authors in there. There's fantasy authors, poetry, just amazing authors in there. Crime novelist, he's amazing. All people that are starting out and are going to be discovered big time, nurtured by us. And then through the pandemic, all these business owners had time in their hands and wanted to write their books and brand because they wanted to keep productive. So KMD Books was born and just before the pandemic and it went whoo skyrocketed (laughs) we published so many books nothing changed for us other than productivity was very high we took on people during during COVID so many books coming through and anthologies so we ended up being one of the leading anthology people during that time as well so we had this magic formula of creating community and getting there and printing this amount of books making sure stories would get out so It was so fun. And as I said, I love doing new things and being innovative with thinking. So, yeah. Is KMD then, is the focus of that anthology books then primarily? No, it's it's thought leaders, business owners. So we we do anthologies as well, but primarily a lot of individual books. Yeah. Okay. Now you mentioned Duchess Serenity Press. That's the publishing house where you publish all of the Duchess of York's children's books. How did you get connected with the Duchess of York's and become her publisher? And what is the relationship there? Is it strictly professional, minimal contact? Are you guys friends? What's the story there? This is a really good story and it shows the power (laughs) of knowing in motion. So one night I happened to be looking at a Facebook Live. Now I'd never, usually not near my phone at night time, but I happened to catch one of my friends. I was hosting an event in London and the Duchess was speaking at it. And it was during 2018, 19. So it wasn't a great time for the Duchess. But (laughs) however, my train of thought was, oh, there's the Duchess of York. She used to do Budgie the Little Helicopter. My son, who's now actually 27, my son (laughs) used to love Budgie the Little Helicopter. I wonder would she like to do a book for Serenity Press? That was my train of thought. But I straight away actioned it and I went and Googled who her agent was. And I must have written the best email to that agent. I can't find it. Um, (laughs) Two weeks later, I got an email from the Duchess's business manager saying, hi, Karen, we got the email was passed on to us and um, we'd like to know what your ideas are. And I had no other ideas, only the Yeah. <laughs> and what are your ideas? And if we like them, we'd like to set up a call. And um, that all happened. Everything went fine. And we wanted to set up a call. And at the beginning, whenever you're dealing with high profiles, you're yes to it ever. There's no, oh, that doesn't work for me. It's just, yes, yeah. that's it. Well, the time that they chose was the most, it's the worst time they could have ever chose because I was on holidays with five of my children on my own in a holiday park down in Bunbury. (laughs) And the call was at 5 p.m. And I was like, oh, no. And I have a Mary, Brad. Now, Mary is my tornado. This was four years ago, so she was four. She never stops talking and she's off. So the whole day of that day was focused on Mary being asleep at 5 p.m. So I could do it. The rest of them are all, you know, they're all fine. Didn't I get a, a message at four o'clock saying, could we bring the, the call forward 45 minutes? So I had 15 minutes to get married. So it wasn't going to happen. So I was yeah. like, all right, I'm surrendering to this. So Mary was at my feet <laughs> when I was doing the call. And I said, sorry, ignore the background noise. I'm on holiday with my kids. And they yeah. actually thought that was amazing. <laughs> Just getting on with things. But anyway, then... We signed two books and then we got on a call with the Duchess. And yes, we're best friends. We talk wow. most days. Yeah, we talk most <laughs> days. If I'm, she comes, she came to the castle last year. I was in London yeah. during 
March, I think it was March or April, we were together. Mm. We're building a really beautiful company and we're doing it together. So we... That is incredible. Yeah. All from just that watching a Facebook Live. I'm going to just send an email. I'm going to put it out there and just do it. So there's your law of attraction Actioning again, right? the inspired yeah. thought. Yes. Actioning the inspired thought. Straight away. Universal love speed. But she is the most kindest person and the easiest author I've ever worked with. She is no really yes, out of she, all the authors you've worked with. Every yes, I have beautiful <laughs> authors around me because everything stems from humanity and kindness, and she trusts my process and beautiful and we work together. Yes, beautiful. The publishing industry has undergone significant transformations with the increase of digital content, self-publishing platforms. How do you navigate these changes while maintaining a strong publishing brand and supporting traditional authors? Nobody else can be me, Brad. (laughs) (laughs) I just do it my way. I don't worry about any things. And I think it's beautiful that not just the big major publishers have all of the market tied up. I encourage authors who have built a really big brand to self-publish a book as well because they will have a big readership to service and if they publish a book they can still get it out into stores because you can get connections into distributors and we have distributors to stores and if you have a big name behind it you want to sell you know an example of this is an author we have published who has a name over here in Australia is Billy Dibb. He's a two-time world champion boxer who published his book. He sold thousands of his books directly. In on, on, he was, He's been doing events all over the place. He's made right. a fortune. Is that not how it should be? When yeah. good people have money, good things happen. He's such a good person, so he's making good things happen. And then his books are still available to bookstores and online and everything for anybody who wants to do that. And then he gets more of the profits. And, and that's the way to go for influencers. I think. But it's just people need to know that's an option because you have more of a say in how your book looks, how it's edited, you get to approve things and marketing and all of the things. Whereas with the big publishers, you just hand it over and they yeah. bring it and where the they want it to go. Them, right? yeah. If they want that, things taken out or put in or changed, they say, this is you it's need theirs. to do this, right? Yeah. And, and the traditional publishing industry is wonderful and so many amazing books come through it, but there's also room for freedom if authors would prefer that. So, yeah. Yeah. What excites you the most about the future of publishing? Are there any emerging trends or developments that you believe will have a profound impact on the industry? that you're seeing? Well, we did start doing audio flip books for kids okay. because, it, and it stemmed from my own Emma of having so many kids who wanted a bedtime story at the same time, right. not together, <laughs> all individual. I am yeah. one person yeah. who can't be in yeah. a room. So I actually put one of my children's books onto a flip book and I read over it and I give them an iPad and I'm like, just read that one with me. So they're actually yeah. learning to read. So it's actually a really good tool for kids. And I was doing this years ago and then and so we've started doing all of that and so we're creating an app for that for kids and it's so if, if you're not able to be there you can read along with the duchess or you can you know what i mean it just makes yeah. reading natural and fun so i think that's good but audiobooks obviously are flying high they're very big and they will continue to grow and um, us is huge australia is huge with it and the uk is yeah. growing as well but there's nothing like uh, paperback book. Yeah. I can see them going anywhere soon. For example, Barnes and Noble have started opening up stores, little ah, okay. boutique public bookstores, bookshops yeah. they're called, not stores, okay. little boutique sh- bookshops. They're bringing that back because people want the experience of going yeah. to the bookstore. 
What advice would you give to aspiring authors who are aiming to get their work published? How can they best position themselves for success in today's publishing landscape? Yes. So if you start building up your readership and connecting with people straight away, I know if you don't have an audience already, it's going to feel probably icky. It's going to, you're going to feel imposter syndrome, but everyone starts somewhere. I didn't have any engagement yeah. you know, when I started. And when I, even whenever I f- published my first book, that's why I republished it again. And we got lots of sales then and stores wanted it because it was a republishing. And then it grew interest and has now picked up interest of the movies like like what the hell that's just such a that's incredible story but a lot of people write their book they haven't got the audience initially but your first book is the most important because if you don't have your first you can't go on the journey so honor the journey go on it don't focus so much on book sales just have fun connecting and building your audience and always have a nice little link for people to either connect with you or find out more about you, just really be visible. Visibility and connecting into other people's audience, like true podcasting. You know, your audience may never have heard of Karen Weaver. Yeah. Now they do, and they can come and check me out, come join my communities. And and I can serve in there. It's all about serving and connecting and having fun. I think podcasting is a great platform for authors to get themselves out there and get themselves known, get their books out there. So you say, don't worry or focus so much on the sales part of it with your first book. I I mean, undoubtedly, that's what people are going to focus on, right? Is I got to sell my book. I got to sell my book. I got to get all these sales. I got to make this money, right? That's going to be the focus. But you say, no, don't focus on that. Oh, well, absolutely sell your book, but don't let the focus be on selling. Let the focus be on the journey, because when you focus on the journey, you get so many more rewards. You can't put value on the amount of book sales. Most people will sell 250 of their books, but you have the potential. I just watched the Jack Canfield, The Soul Success Journey, and he talks about chicken soup for the soul. Yeah. It's author driven. It's about connection. It's about getting in front and just believing in what you have written because you have written that it's your book baby. You don't give up on your babies. You bring them yeah. on a journey. You grow them. You get them out there. They don't go away. They're there and they're the book babies are before their time and some yeah. are not some the world's ready for. So connect, get visible, show and always have a link, a one click link for someone to buy your <laughs> book because nobody <laughs> wants to go searching. Just give right. them a quick link. So as mentioned, you are an advanced law of attraction practitioner who teaches people how to attract the things they want in their lives. Can you share a little bit more? I know you talked about it very briefly, how you stumbled into the world of law of attraction and becoming a practitioner and how has it impacted your life personally and professionally? Well, I'm more mindful of energy and that's why I prioritize joy. And don't get me wrong, life happens because I'm human. But because I've learned from, I went through a really tough period. I went through PTSD. That was a horrible time in my life because I'm usually the light up the room, but I was very, in, went into myself then. I call it my cocoon period. I come out like a butterfly. I didn't care what anybody thought anymore. I was going to live my life to the best. And I made that intentional decision and I was going to feel joy every day. So I prioritize happiness very highly. And so I always try to keep on that. And Or if I go off it, I try to get back to it as soon as possible. And it is intention. I have to do it purposely. It's a choice I make every day. But it becomes easier. It just becomes like a natural habit. And there's days 
where I just close the diary and we have our low days and go to the beach to just reset and all of that. But I'm mostly at a high vibration. And when you're at a high vibration and you practice gratitudes or you set intentions or you have thoughts that are aspirational and you think, you just feel, especially a visualization, goodness, I like I have the best example of a visualization that just not blew my socks off. Because in 2020, I set the intention that I wanted to be a TEDx speaker. And this Mm -hmm. was like, I didn't know how I was going to do it. But that's a part of attraction. You set the intention. You do not control the how because it always comes left of center and at your peripheral. (laughs) And I got asked because applying and all of that just isn't my jam. It's not how I wrote. So I actually happened to be talking to somebody for just a different reason. And then they messaged me the next day and said, I have to have you on my TEDx stage. And I was like, that's how I do it. (laughs) I was like, that's how it's done. I never seen that coming. So the pandemic hit and I'm in Perth and this was supposed to happen in Ireland and I had to be on the stage. So my values are that there's no way in the world I was going to go the other end of the world away from my children and maybe get stuck there. I love my life so much. So I just said to the organizer, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to to come. I have to just accept this. Now I could have in that moment went into self-pity and felt sorry for myself because this was a bucket list item. It was September and there was only a few months left of the year. And yeah. like, there's no way this, there's no, nothing's going to happen. The very next day, so I, instead of, of feeling pity, I went out to my patio. It was a lovely sunny day. And I said, what would I just love? So it was three things that I wanted. One, yeah. I wanted to do a TEDx on a stage in Perth. So I didn't risk yeah. being away right. from the yep. Second, I wanted to do it that year, not in the January the year after, like the other one was. And thirdly, I wanted to do a TEDx Women event. Now, where did this come out of? TEDx Women event because I had just won Women Change in the World Award. And those are the three things. I was like, God, wouldn't that be just lovely? And sat in it for a few minutes. And then probably a child called me or something. So I just went <laughs> business, never thought of it again. The very yeah. next day, I got a phone call and said, hey, Karen, I know you can't come to Ireland, but um, TEDx of uh, rang me and asked me would I host a TEDx women event in six weeks time six weeks time you'll have to do it on a stage in Perth but will you do it and I was like hell yes <laughs> I couldn't believe it it blew my mind you can't understand that how you've just got you can't to make that shit up you just so can't make great. it up yes <laughs> that is incredible Everything. it wasn't even an option or the day before it blew my mind. So I was like, there you go. That was my first ever TEDx talk. And then because I set such powerful intentions, within a year, I ended up doing three TEDx talks. Within a year? Yeah. Holy yeah. shit. That is it's incredible. Crazy. So wow. things always happen in threes. Yes, yes. What's the most important thing you've learned in your life, Karen? And what was your life like before learning it? And what was your life like after you learned it? To not care what other people think. <laughs> Believe me, they are worrying about themselves. They're not really worrying about you. So you just worry about yourself. Prioritize joy. We're not here to suffer. We are here to keep ourselves, our cups full, so that we can pour into others, give the best of ourselves to others, give the best of ourselves to our children. We're not here to sacrifice all of ourselves for others. We're here to give the best to ourselves first, then we can give the best of ourselves to others, the best version of ourselves. And when you get a grasp on that, because people make life way too complicated. Yes. Yes. It's simple. And too serious. We take life too seriously. Joy. Honestly, yeah. choose it every day. It's it's Love much, it. yeah. What do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? I'm fearless. 
<laughs> I am, and I know exactly what's a hell yes and what's a hell no. And I commit, I, I can laser focus when I need to, and I will do. But love is the super fuel of everything that I do. It's um, the highest vibration in the world. It is the highest vibration. A lot of people don't know that, Brad, but anything that's done through the frequency of love, it, it's the super fuel to success. You can't lose. Yeah. It, no. it's inc- As you said off the top, it's the super fuel to success. Yes. Absolutely. I love it. Yeah. How do you define success? What does that word mean to you, Karen? No, oh, I love this question. <laughs> so success for me is just having that beautiful harmony. I call it like a symphony in life, that rhythm where I am ebbing and flowing in whatever my energy is drawn to at that time. And it's just, it's so melodic. It's just beautiful whenever you allow that to be. Now, my life's crazy. I have six children. My eldest has flown the nest, but the other five live at home and it's crazy. But I would not have it any other way. And I write in school holidays. I do publishing and business stuff in the day. And I've been doing this for six, seven years now. And that's a beautiful rhythm of life that works for me. It wouldn't work for everybody. My life may be a nightmare for someone. It's my dream life. It's someone else's nightmare. And that's okay. But just to know what it is you want, not what somebody else wants for you. Really honor and have the courage to say, this is what I want out of my life right now and know that it'll change in the future because as you evolve you go wow i've ticked that box what am i going to do now you know what's next yeah Yeah, that's a beautiful definition i love it karen what does the word empowerment mean to you let me think on this because when you empower yourself you're giving yourself permission to be yourself i think and so by being yourself you also empower others to be themselves so it's a flow you can't it, it, yeah you know it has to be given yeah. and received as well okay we're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here so the next grouping of questions just be one two three word answer type thing okay yeah how would you describe yourself in one word loving if you could be remembered for one thing what would it be oh there's two things <laughs> that's okay we okay. can say ambitious and a fun mom if you could teach the world one thing what would that be to be kind. What is one thing you love about yourself that is not related to your physical appearance? My attitude to life. <laughs> what is your favorite self-care practice? Writing and beach walking. That concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. Karen, what aspect of your personality do you think has been the most helpful in your career? I think my fun attitude. I always make, whenever I'm on stage or if I'm just connecting with someone, I always kind of have fun in it. So I, I raise the vibration of any scenario. Um, and I'm always meant to see in person with anybody. <laughs> Doesn't matter <laughs> whether I'm talking to the Duchess or talking to a homeless person. I'm the same yeah. person, no matter who I'm talking to. Um, yeah. Depends on what day, maybe, because I'm having a bad day. But I'm still the same person. Um, and I'm very mindful of that because everyone's people. We're all human. Yeah. What is one lesson your career has taught you that you think everybody should learn at some point in their life? Mm, to really, for career-wise, to really know who your people are and honor that. What is something surprising that you've learned about yourself in the last year? How many plates I can juggle? <laughs> the visual of that i can see it but also how much faith i have in an outcome and how i allow it to to come to be even when other people lose faith i'm like no just wait and see it's coming it'll come Mm -hmm. yeah 
What is your why, Karen? The power of story. The yeah. power of story. What is an unexpected blessing or occurrence in your life that you're grateful for? One of the things that happened that was really tough in my life was losing the twins. But then whenever I had my epiphany, I realized it wasn't for no reason. So I got the answer my heart longed for. And that was a catalyst into story, the power of story for me. That's incredible because, I mean, that's a, that is a devastating loss. Yeah. And to be able to take a step back or take steps back and find the silver lining in that, and this is something that's been coming up a lot for me lately, is being able to find that silver lining, being able to step outside the situation and look at it as, and we hear this all the time, this is happening for me, not to me. But to actually embody that and step into it is not easy. Especially, I mean, I can't even imagine a loss like that and being able to step into that mindset of this is happening for me and yeah. there is a silver lining in it. Yeah, it was two years, two and a half years later um, and I yeah. had two more kids. But when I had that epiphany and that realization, it changed my whole outlook in life. So, yeah. And at the time, it didn't feel like it. I searched right. for answers because I didn't have an answer medically that I wanted or that fitted yeah. me. And we were just supposed to get on with it. But And then when the epiphany came, I was just like, thank you. There we go. There it is. Yeah. yeah. Karen, if you could step into my shoes, what question would you have asked yourself that I didn't ask you? I think you've asked, asked good questions. <laughs> Let me see. Nothing's coming to mind. So you've okay. just done a good job. So there, well done. If you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one hour conversation with one woman, Karen, any woman in the world, who would it be and why? Do they have to be living right now? No, no. Me 10 years later. Wow. That, I love that answer. Mm -hmm. And why? Because two years ago I had... I don't usually meditate, but I had a guided meditation and it brought me to meet myself 20 years um, down the line. And it just changed how I, and that, that 20 years, you know, give me a message. And the message was that I'm here to awaken those who sleep. And that's what my wow. writing does. And I was like, cause, because people who are asleep don't know they're asleep. They don't yeah. look into their potential of life. And there's a bridge there. So I help people across the bridge. Because I that, had to walk the bridge myself. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. That is very powerful. I love it. If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, Karen, what would that piece of advice be? Just keep enjoying life. I was so lucky that I was brought up in unconditional love. And I was so curious. And I never apologized for it. I would just go. I wasn't naughty. I was just curious. <laughs> and, um, and so just keep being curious and never lose that, you know. And just enjoy yeah. life. Lastly, Karen, if you were to deliver your last 30 second speech to the world, your tribe, your people, your corner of the world, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What words of wisdom would you impart? To not overthink things, to enjoy life um, and to think of life as this book that you're writing. Each chapter is an adventure. And just remember, you're not supposed to write the same chapter over and over again have the courage to turn the page and start writing the next chapter because you can get stuck in a chapter and keep reliving it. But at the end of your life, what is there to read? Do you feel fulfilled? I think there's more regrets then. So have the courage to, to turn the page. Love it. Beautiful. Karen, thank you so very much for this incredibly beautiful, inspirational, 
fun interview. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for taking and making the time to be here with me today and sharing your story, your journey, giving us a little bit of insight into who Karen is. And thank you for shining your bright, beautiful light out into the world through all of the work you do, helping people tell their stories. And it's just such an incredible gift that you're giving people. So thank you. I am honored to have had this opportunity to sit down with you and to have you as a member of the Empowerography community. Thank you for all that you are and all that you do. I appreciate you. Oh, thank you so much, Brad, for your gratitude. And thank you for the platform to be able to speak to people and maybe ignite some stories you never know. Yes. And we knew we'd have fun, didn't we? we knew oh, we did. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Every time we talk, we always have fun. So thank you so much, Karen. I appreciate you. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Karen Weaver. She is a multi-award winning entrepreneur and author, the founder of Serenity Press, MMH Press, KMD Books, and Duchess Serenity Press, a Forbes influencer, three-time TEDx talker, an advanced law of attraction practitioner, and last but certainly not least, a mom of six. Karen, thank you so much. I hope you have a beautiful rest of the day. Bye. Thanks, Brad. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.